Boom. Who's the best show here? Tech, Tech show. show! Who's the best show here? Tech, Tech Show! Good, that's the best one yet. I am short. Pizza, pizza. It's about fucking time someone else's. I'll just have to tell them I'm not a thief. Just a pervert. Showtime! You were making egg foo young in the kitchen. I was in the dining room having sushi. It's a little thing tech show, and that's a fact. If you don't like the cast, you can stick it up your ass. Ain't no funny duddies that a link at bat. For the stolen code of the DLGS. Welcome to episode 1036 of the Links Link Tech Show. On the show tonight, we have Joel. Good evening. We have Joe. Yep, I am here. And we have Dave. I'm here too. Yeah, and uh, yes, right. I got Raspberry Pi Five news. Well, we'll get to that in just a minute, Joel, because I'm going to say my piece. One of the more challenging things in regards to GitHub Actions, and I've said this before, is developing them in a non-live format, and that means on a repository where you want to use the action that you're developing, it's very challenging to not actually engage with the repository. Uh, there is a tool called uh, uh, ACT, A-C-T, I think it's NACT, N-A-C-T, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or it's by Nectos, it's called ACT, which allows you to theoretically test your GitHub Actions locally, the workflows, it becomes more challenging when you're trying to do stuff and integrating different services. Um, and case in point, one of the things that came across my uh, desk the past week was that there is a technology, if you're not familiar, called uh, that GitHub offers called Dependabot. And Dependabot, are you using that, Joel? No. On any repository. So what the Pandabot is, is, uh, Google offers that as a security and dependency scanning tool. And what Dependabot will do is scan your repo and identify potential security risks in your code. And also, um, for most of the languages out there, and we're primarily using JavaScript via Next, or uh, I'm sorry, Node and PHP, it will look at your dependencies and offer to help you keep your dependencies up to date. Uh, a lot of times, Node packages, JavaScript packages or PHP packages, uh, will get updated on a fairly regular basis and you may be a little too busy to keep monitoring those updates and Dependabot is a handy tool that you could use that will assist you with that and identify, you know, if a certain package has a minor or a major version. What it can do for you is open pull requests on your repository for those dependency updates. 
What we wanted to do to further facilitate this is that we that that's one of the challenges that our team faces is making sure we keep up to date. And with a smallish team and a large number of applications, that's one of the things that was starting to fall by the wayside, which uh, – and even with Dependabot, when that would end up happening where it would open a pull request, if somebody's got to act on that pull request – Look at it and make sure it's good and merge it. You know, make sure it's passed all the tests and if it's not and determine why and stuff like that. Anyway, so they wanted to take it to the next level and that when Dependabot opens one of these pull requests, if it passes all the tests, it would automatically merge that dependency. Or if it failed one of the tests, that it would open up a JIRA ticket and that would be in our queue for somebody to come along and take a look at it. Um, the uh, person before me did a lot of the legwork and looking up what it is you actually need to use in regards to what GitHub Actions are available for interacting with JIRA. Um, what GitHub Actions are available for interacting with Dependabot, what we would need to maybe do. Um, so he had a proof of concept in our application template repository that when he would open up a PR, because he was using his account, that it would automatically create a JIRA ticket for that PR. And then take it to the next level, which would be... If the tests fail, then open the JIRA ticket. But if they didn't fail, then it needs to, the Pentabot PR needs to be merged. So that's where I picked it up and went to go apply it into one of our repositories. And it was a fun task to be able to, uh, jump into. The, the, the biggest problem that I had and what I, I find challenging about GitHub Actions, um, is that you you kind of muddy your repository uh, in developing this and testing it out. So the way I went about doing it, because I really didn't have a test repository that would be easily integratable with, um, and it would be a heck of a lot of work to set that up to do it all the way that we would want to do it, is that instead of using the GitHub Dependabot user I was using my user when I would put in a pull request that it would perform all these actions. So each application is supposed to have three different, four different tests. There's linting, there's unit tests, there's end-to-end -end integration testing, and then there's a JIRA ticket check that our pull requests, the summary or the description of the pull request needs to have the JIRA ticket in it. And that's one of the things that we check for. And those four tests are required before, plus two reviews are required before you can merge that pull request in. Now, of course, with the uh, dependent bot pull requests, we're going to bend the rules a little bit. And so long as they pass all the tests, 
then we feel that it should be fairly confident that we can merge it in. So when this gets merged in, it's only going to development and staging, um, and it's not going to automatically be pushed to production. So that the next time somebody is working on that code, they're, they should be well aware of whether or not any one of those dependencies Managed to pass tests, but broke something. Um, that's that's the theory in there. So I got it working, and this this was a huge pain in the ass um, to deal with. Was the conditionals for workflows? Now you can have so a workflow consists of one or more jobs and each one of those jobs consists of one or more steps. So you can have a, a conditional at the main work at the top workflow level. You can have it at the job level and you can have it at the step level. And what I mean in this case about a conditional is I'm trying to determine whether this is a pull request that's been opened by Dependabot or somebody else. And the person who came before me, was and did a lot of the uh initial legwork was using github.actor variable um which is available now the github.actor variable is supposed to be the person who triggered the pull request who created the pull request right <laughs> and that he was using the uh that takes the user id of the person and um I'm sorry, it was the GitHub user ID. Yeah. Sorry, GitHub user ID of the pull request, I believe it was. And that was set to the depend upon user. And so with the Jira check, Jira ticket check makes absolutely no sense to have that check run because the depend about when it opens a pull request, there is no Jira ticket. So there's not going to be a Jira ticket. It's not going to subscribe to the format. And we don't really have a way to change the message as far as I know. Maybe it's possible. I don't know. But I didn't look too deeply into that. So what I need to do for that is I need to determine whether the pull request was opened by Dependabot. And if so, just exit out of the test and, you know, just as a pass. But if it's not, then it needs to run that check. And the same thing, you know, with with the testing and everything, well, actually, the testing is going to just run all the time. Now, the next final steps, usually what ends up happening with our pull request testing is it does those checks, and then if they all pass, you get two people to review it, and then you can merge it. Well, in this case, we want to auto-merge. So if all those tests pass, then what needs to do, happen is it needs to, a job to merge in the pull request automatically if it is opened by Dependabot and it's passed all those tests, which is really easy to do because you can have a job be dependent upon other jobs. So I just put in that that pull request in that job that it needs it's, that's the syntax that job needs the testing job and the integration job to run and succeed and if it if those two finish successfully and it is, then it will go on to run the dependabot merge which only happens if the person who opened the pull request was dependabot 
that was fairly straightforward to do. Um, and that, that worked fine. The other side of that was, well, if any one of those tests failed, then I need to open a JIRA ticket. So there's a job for opening a JIRA ticket. And what was really confusing about that and the if conditional on that was that, um, it is also dependent upon those test jobs running. But typically, if a job fails, then it's not going to run that job that has that dependency on it. So you have to add a conditional. In the conditional, you have to do an always. Um, so you tell that it's always going to run even if those dependencies have failed. So it's always going to run, but it has to only run if either or both of those jobs fail, or actually it's three jobs, through fail, and the user is dependabot that opened the ticket. PR. And that seemed to work just fine. I got that that was a pain in the ass because when you have multiple conditions, um you have to be careful of how you format it. And it was very, very unclear on what you had to do according to their documentation. Um, but eventually I got it all figured out. I got it working. Everything seemed to be, you know, working just the way I wanted it to for my user. Then I switched it over and finally committed that workflow into that, our repository for our one application that I was working with and then switched it over to using the Dependabot user account. Now, when I re-enabled Dependabot on there and the first three PRs came in, I was smacked in the face by the fact that it did not do what it was supposed to do. It ran the tests like I would expect it to, but it did not. And I purposely set one of the tests to fail, and it it actually, no, I didn't at that point. I was like, it should all work. Let's let it go. And the auto, and Dependabot opened up three PRs right away. Two of them failed and one succeeded. And none of them did what it was supposed to do. So when I went in to look at the action, come to find out that it did not run any of the Dependabot jobs. And it was really confusing to me as to why, because everything ran perfectly under my user ID, but it wouldn't run properly under the Dependabot user ID. So obviously the first thing I did was double-check the Dependabot ID. And wouldn't you know it, between the when I initially set all this stuff up and double-checked the Dependabot user ID, and today when I went to run it, that user ID changed. Which then said to me, maybe I shouldn't be using the user ID because I suspect maybe there's multiple ones or they might change it frequently. I don't know. But I looked at the Dependabot documentation and everything about that in there said you should be using uh, the variable GitHub actor. And the GitHub actor is the username of the person who opened the pull request. So I switched it over in the code to use GitHub Actor. And then for the next three hours this afternoon, I spent beating my head against the wall trying to figure out why using GitHub Actor would not work. It just flat out would not work. It was like doing the same thing as if I had 
the wrong ID in there or whatever. It would not work. Um, now, another challenging aspect about the GitHub Actions is that you have the option to rerun them if they fail or every time that you make a commit and push that against the PR, it's going to rerun the workflow. Or if you're looking at your pull request, and it'll tell you if your branch is out of date from the branch that you're trying to merge into, um, do you and offer to update from that branch uh, changes, and you can you can click that, then it'll rerun the workflow again from the beginning and do all the testing. Um, when I read the documentation, they they said that uh, rerunning the workflow will run it as the user account that triggered the pull request. And regardless of the user that is rerunning the workflow, but also it's going to rerun the workflow using the same script that it did before that GitHub actions workflow script. Now, the issue that I was running into as I would update that script to try and get the conditional to work properly required that I would merge the changes from the branch, the main branch, into the pull request so that it was up to date and it could merge without any conflict or anything like that. And as I did that, every time, it just it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Finally, I, I gave up, and I just like, I'm just going to put debug statements in here and just verify that the account, I have the account name correct because everything I was looking at said it should be correct, but it wasn't working. So the account name is Dependabot, D-E-P-N-D-A-B-O-T, and then it has uh, an open bracket, bot, close bracket. Kind of a weird name, but I thought, just let's double check it. And and what did I find out? I spent three hours dicking around with this because once I did the update, my pull request, that pull request from, from the main branch, it was then making it the pull request as me being the person who triggered it, not depend upon. So... It was always my name in there and not depend upon, which was really annoying because the documentation I was led to believe that it would still be the person that opened the PR, not the person that was triggering the PR again or rerunning the PR. Once I figured that out, I just basically what I had to do was I had to back out of all those dicking around that I did for the past three hours, put it back in there, and instead of using the GitHub ID for Dependabot, which might change. I just used the username and cross my fingers. Hope it works. Um, it looks like it should work, but I won't know until Dependabot puts in another PR. Right, Joel? Did you die? Dave? Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, you fell asleep, right? No, no, you said Joel. Didn't say. <laughs> I know, I did. I think Joel fell asleep. I was gonna let him go on to uh, the next thing. Oh, it was it was frustrating as hell dealing with that crap. 
but it was yeah. fun but frustrating. I got I'll to use said. I got to use said. Did you use the was it the free BSD version with the character restriction? No, no, no. I didn't have to. I didn't have to do that. It was uh, <laughs> whatever you know, came with Linux. This well, the GitHub Action is running on a container, um, a uh, that is Ubuntu. Okay. But I tested my said statement in OS ten first, and I did it also on Linux too, because I can SSH in here. There you go. And it was the same. Thing. Basically, what I was trying to do is when when the dependabot opens up the PR. Um, the the description in the PR says it's going to bump this component that depend that component and it's like usually a library from version this to version from version X to version Y and basically what I wanted to do is I wanted to take that that uh, that component and then from version X to version Y I wanted to take that part of the description. Or just the, uh, yeah, the description or the summary and put it into the description of the JIRA ticket that was being created. Um, so I got to use said for that. I, and I enjoy working nice. with said when I can. It's confusing as hell to me still after all these years. I got to look shit up all the time, man. It's regular expressions. They always, they always get me. It's like everything. If it's you're using BSD, you're using uh, Linux, you're using Perl, you're using VCL, uh, you name it. Everything does it a little differently. So one thing may not work a hundred percent on another, on another thing. And it's, it's constant looking stuff up on how to do that. I mean, there's some of the basics should carry over to all these things, but regular expressions are my bane. But I still, I, I try and use them all the time as much as I can. Right, Dave? Right. Sure. So you got your Raspberry Pi? Nope. I got the accessories. <laughs> what? Did you order one? I Back did October. order one. <laughs> October 1st, wasn't it? Yeah, October 1st is when I ordered mine. Uh, but I, I, October 13th, I ordered the accessories, and they're all here. <laughs> the case... I got the cooling fan. Um, the case itself had the official case itself has a cooling fan. So well, the accessories backed up, backlogged, ordered. They too? were too. Wow, they were too. Yeah, and the uh, real time clock battery, as well as the uh, the new power supply they brought out uh, with the five, which is uh, capable of more amperage than uh, the one that the four four could use. When so, when do they think they're gonna ship? Do they give you an estimate as when to expect the five to uh, ship? They said all the pre-orders through that were ordered from when it launched to December should be to the to their owners by April. And I'm not stuttering. <laughs> April is when they said that's what Spark Fund. I ordered mine from Spark Fund, so. They're not the only ones. Uh, there was a uh, video going around from someone um, asking Evan Upton. Helicarium. What? Who'd you say? Element fourteen. Uh, no, I don't want to say Jeff Gearing. I think 
I watched a video of him today. He was comparing the Raspberry Pi with a one of these little cube uh, PCs, you know, which they're they're right in around a hundred dollars or so, and those can get you a little bit more horsepower than a Raspberry Pi Five has, and it's Intel. So, but that's okay. I like my Raspberry Pi Five, and plus, you know, that's the other thing too. When you look at the comparison between the Raspberry Pi and uh, something that's more PC-like in those uh, bare-bones or, or slower nucks. Um, you know, those may only be $135, but you don't have things like a GPI, uh, like GPI opens. So it just depends on what you're doing uh, where a PC wouldn't necessarily work as well. So, like, if you're trying to, like, uh, well, and, you know, there's various hats and stuff that you can use with the Pi. There's been a few. I mean, the Pi Foundation's supposed to bring out an official uh, PCIe to uh, um, M2 drive slot so you can put a physical uh, SSD on it and boot from that. Uh, but there's other... Uh, like uh, I saw another company brought out a board for that. It's like eight bucks. Plugs into the into the Raspberry Pi and you can boot it off the SSD once you get get the uh, all the firmware all set up. But I don't know if I'm gonna go with um, an SSD. I might try just a bigger um, micro SD to start with. Or if I get um, one of those adapters, I'll probably uh, use the SSD for storage versus and boot off the micro SD. I'm not sure which one's faster yet. All I know is that damn ad, I see the damn ads on uh, Facebook for Vilros and it pisses me off because I still don't have mine yet. But I did unbox or uh, I did uh, open the package and I took a look. The case is nice. It's the red, reddish, and whatever that reddish color that the Pi Foundations use use for all their uh, official things like the keyboard and mouse. I do have the keyboard and mouse and I like it, but th- those I've had since the Raspberry Pi Four. But uh, you know. I didn't have anything specific planned for the Raspberry Pi 5. You know, so, uh, you know, I get it. I get it. You know, I'll play with it, you know. You know. Maybe you'll figure out what you want to do with it before it gets here. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I know what I'm not going to do with it. I'm probably not going to use it for a media box. I mean, it would do real good because I got the 8 gig version but we'll see let me change my mind it's way overpowered for a, a retro pie you don't need that much for a retro pie you can do the retro pie with the with the zero have you tried a retro pie with a zero 
Um, I can. I got a. I got a spare zero. I'm not using. Because I was wondering if it's beefy enough to, to handle some of those emulators. Well, uh, some I've seen built Actually where you're ta- using a zero as a, as an emulator yeah. running RetroPie. Right. Yeah. But I'm I'm I've run up to Neo Geo on it, but mostly I, I oh, stick okay, with yeah. like uh, NES and um, right. Genesis. Yeah, I mean for those systems, it should be fine. Oh yeah, no, Raspberry, no, my Raspberry Pi three can do the N sixty four emulator on RetroPie. Yeah, well, N sixty four is very hit or miss, even yeah. even on the the Pi three and four, even on Intel. Right. I mean, that, the just, only game just, I played on it was Super Mario World. And it wasn't too glitchy. Yeah, it's extremely hit or miss. Like if you try and play 007 on most things, unless you have it completely optimized for it, it's my, just yeah. Play, yeah, it's just plain not going to do shit. Yeah. Yep. But, I which, mean, I, which, I, I, you know, I, find, I find that a little interesting because that, like, the Raspberry Pi, even the Zero, is a lot, isn't it far more powerful than the Nintendo 64 to begin with? It has to do with the way the code is on the 64. Yeah. Which I, I get, I get that too, but I'm like, it's just, it still amazes me that they have to, right. that, that it requires that much to handle that code because of the way that it was written. Let's see, the, the Zero only has 512 megabytes of RAM too, which for most things is going to be probably fine. You know, I've seen builds where they take the the Pi Zero W and stuff it in a box, and it has a little LCD. Basically, make a handheld uh, emulator thing. You know, mm-hmm. but that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> what are you gonna do I with it? He doesn't know. Nah, I'm not sure yet. Not sure yet. We'll figure it out when I get it. So I've been playing. I do with, need. I've been playing with three things this week that might be good candidates depending on your needs. But uh, oh, yeah. I, I switched to Calibre Web versus the built-in Calibre content server, and I like it. And of course, audio bookshelf that Joe told me about. And uh, I've been rediscovering the joys of Pi Radio, Py Radio. Those are all good projects. Pi Radio. That was uh, what Pandora. No, it's just internet radio stations. It, it'll play any internet radio oh. station. Basically, so which one kept... TV stuff. No, yeah, it's a yeah. PY radio. It, it'll play, it's a, it's a terminal app, a TUI, terminal user interface okay. app. It's nice. Yeah, um, that makes me wish, almost wish I would have saved a, a while back when I was still writing for Gear Diary. This is probably 10 years ago now. I'm thinking about it. I was set, actually sent an internet radio, and it worked with, um, I'm trying to remember what it all worked with. I know, like, like um, it would stream our local AM station. Um, well, I'm trying to think if it used TuneIn or what it used. I forget what exactly it used. Yeah, you can copy um, and paste TuneIn, uh, TuneIn links right into Pi Radio, and it plays them just fine. Uh, my son-in-law builds Bluetooth speakers out of ammo boxes. 
I think he sells them on Etsy or someplace, but uh, I, I need to talk to him because I, I think it'd be cool to put a Raspberry Pi in there and make it turn it into an internet radio. Right. And this this thing would have been perfect for that. Um, the in, the internal board died on it, uh, so I got rid of it before I moved. Let me see if I can find it. I reviewed it for a uh, gear diary years ago. Oh, I do have plans to go to the Dayton Hamvention this year. I took the Friday off, so I'm going to probably go Friday and Friday, Saturday, and Sunday if I can. I'll probably drive over each day. What day is that? It's in May. That's a ways off, isn't it? Well, yeah. it's be a lot nicer. Yeah, it, does it snow up. up there? Uh, we mm-hmm. got like four inches, but it's all gone now. It all melted. May 17th, 18th, and 19th. So... Uh, unfortunately, Xenia, where 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 they're at now, um, it's not in Dayton proper, but Dayton Amateur Radio Association is the one that puts on the show. Um, quite a few years ago, they uh, I think uh, 2016 or 2015, I forget which year was the last year, but the family that owned the Hera Arena, where it was was for over 60 years. Um, Decided to shut the arena down. Alright. Then like a year after they closed it, a tornado hit it, so now it's completely gone. Alright. So they moved it, um, from, uh, from there to Xenia, the Xenia, Ohio, to Green County Fairgrounds, and that's where it's been ever since at least 2017, I think, because I actually just saw an article I wrote about it for, uh, Gear Diary back when I wrote there. It's always a blast for uh, radio geeks like me. So I'm trying to see if I can't find that uh, that streaming radio I, I reviewed. Oh, was a that long time was ago. that was that the one that you you got last year? Was that was only a couple months ago, wasn't it? The software radio? No. The, the, the soft the was it a radio? Oh, that SDR radio. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, this yeah. is actually. This actually looked like one of them Tivoli uh, radios. Okay. But it wasn't Tivoli. I'm just trying to remember what it was called. Back in the day, I did have uh, the Radio Shark made by Griffin. That was cool. But the... uh, I forget the name of it. You're not going to God, it must have been a long time. Getting old, man. No. Back in the day, you'd, you'd rattle that off. <laughs> I got a case. I can't remember shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, just tell Dave and he'll remember. Like he's a savant with dates, apparently. <laughs> he knows, he knows when something happened all the time. A lot of Linux links.
<laughs> he knows Remember when you much. ordered your raspberry pie. <laughs> if he did, if he did his new show now, what, 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 we would be in the uh, what Chevy Bolt or what do you got now? Chevy Bolt. <laughs> no, I, I'm joking, man. <laughs> I, I still have the 2012 Prius. Prius. Yeah, I have it, and I have a '96 uh, Nissan Frontier pickup truck that's still going. I got right. it when my oldest daughter totaled the Civic that I did the podcast in. I got her that Nissan. She drove it to college and back, and she got married and got a car. And I, I kept right. the pickup. She totaled your car, and you had to go buy her a new one. And then you were out. You were out no, of the car no, then. No, no, no. She totaled that Prius. We got forty five hundred dollars for insurance, and I bought a uh, Chevy. What was it? Uh, it wasn't a Nova. Uh, I got a piece of crap Chevy, but had, had, had a Saturn engine in it, which was good. And I got that Nissan pickup truck, for, and still had change left over. So I got two cars out of the deal. And two cars out. for for four thousand dollars, and oh, had money yeah. left over. Yeah, well, did, they have, did, the, did the bottoms of them rust out or what? What, no, what you got going the, on there, Dave? We, we sold the we sold the Chevy. Well, I, actually, I, I take that back. We. The Chevy was my mother-in-law's, and oh. uh, we we gave her some money for it, even though my wife's name was on the title. So there was that. But the Nissan was was a great buy. It's, it's still going. That's nice. I mean, the thing's almost thirty years old, and it just keeps going. Oh, that now, is sweet. Um, How much work do you have to put into that thing? I'm sorry, Joel. Almost none. I mean, oh, damn. Oh, no. changes and checkups. Now. What's up for pre-order uh, from Atari now is the Mini 400. I don't think I'm going to get one. Uh, you know so what? It's I basically the it? same concept as the SS. It's like $119. $119? The thing is, is, is if you see it, it... It's well. It models the 400, which is the one that had the membrane keyboard. Right, that right. terrible keyboard. But I, I've seen the pictures of it. Of it, it doesn't have right. But by the looks of it, you can't. It, it's very similar to what they did with the Commodore 64 Mini, where it just looks like the keyboard. It's not functional. You know what I mean? So, I'm guessing though, by the looks of it, it has a USB port on the back of it as well as four on the front for controllers. So I'm betting you can probably plug a uh, keyboard in to one of those if you wanted to type on it and do some Atari Basic. On the other hand, I don't need to do that because I've can got you, a. Uh, um, can you do Atari Basic a, on uh, the on the uh, Mini? That's a good question. I, I haven't seen a whole lot about it um, yet. Um, it's up for pre-order now, and it doesn't ship until the twenty eighth of March. You know, you know what's messed up. I'd look maybe Not, maybe the sale on. What I think is messed, messed up. up about those is now. Don't get me wrong. If you really like the console system. You know, getting a, a mini NES or a Super NES or a Genesis or a mini Commodore or whatever, all the ones that they came out, you know, by all means, have at it. That's great. You know, and they usually run from what, 50 to 100 and some dollars. And 
you're gonna if you if you like that, you're gonna get functionality out of it. It's a lot, you know, you don't have to mess around with anything. Um of course you could do it a lot cheaper on your own if you wanted to, with a Pi or even your computer or your phone and emulation, Most all that are stuff. Gonna find that. that extremely daunting. Yeah, and, and I get that. And that's fine. Have that I mean, go ahead and buy it. What right. I think is absurd is no, not the just fact- old people. Most people will yeah. find it daunting. What I think is absurd about that this stuff is those little mini devices aren't that expensive, but the fucking Lego device yes. is like hundred and fifty to two hundred plus dollars for just something that looks like the device and does not Lego function device. at all. And it's just Lego. You know? That is crazy. Lego's crazy anyway. Prosper right. piece is ridiculous. Are you buying them yeah, individual pieces, Dave? But, uh, no, 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 but I, I got a cousin that, that bought it's a, the, yeah, one, one the largest Lego they sell. It was a Titanic model, and I forget how many right. pieces it was. But it was like, the price ended up being like 70 cents a piece. It was just stupid oh, well, expensive. <laughs> oh, man. Yep, yep. I, that's why I haven't bought any. Um, I have a whole bunch at home uh, uh, at my uh, dad's house. I, I'm going to have to ask him if I can have that. I don't know if my brother wants it or what, not. But Legos or Lego sets? Lego um, sets. Legos. The models. I, well, we, well, we bought sets, but we rarely kept them as sets, you know. We just dumped them in a box, you know. But now, the, 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 go back to the 400 Mini. It will emulate everything, basically the whole 8-bit range, all the way through the 130XE as well as the Atari 5200. And you can also uh, – it has 25 games built in. But you can put the game games on a thumb drive and plug it into it and play those too. So uh, the 25 games include what's it, Lee, which I've never heard of that game, Berserk, Millipede, Minor 2049er, Mule, and Star Raiders 2, uh, which Star Raiders 2 was pretty nice. I like that one. I need I actually need to get a copy of that for uh, my uh, uh my, I have an 800 XL. Uh, actually, I probably should should just download the ROM and put it on the. Uh, or I don't know if that would be with a floppy because I'm trying to think if I have a this uh, Lothrec. Uh, basically, it's a floppy disk emulator. I don't know if I can put a cartridge image on it and have it work with that. But they do have a cartridge uh, adapter for SD cards. I should get that. But. Because sometimes it's just nice to, to plug in the cartridge and go. Because it takes uh, that would load a little faster than the uh, floppy emulator. It's gonna load just as fast as a standard Atari 1050 drive. So it's, it's so it's not gonna load faster, even though it's on a faster media to begin with. But doesn't say whether it can run um, basic or not. Um, I'm thinking that if you can get basic, uh, the, the the I think the original Atari 400 had a basic cartridge instead of being built into the to firmware or to the ROM on on board. Like that's what my, my Atari 100 XL. That's how it works. Is if I just turn it on without cartridge or anything plugged into it, or without booting a floppy image, it will uh, load basic. So. And then you can write basic programs if you want to. 
But that reminds me of what I just saw on Prime Video this afternoon and evening. Uh, towards the tail end of my work, I saw it on there. I threw it on the TV. Superman 3, remember that movie? That's one with Richard Pryor, or was that two? Yes, it was. Uh, yep. That's the one where, where 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 he took all the half cents and put them in his in his, in his uh on his check. Yeah. <laughs> he got a check for eighty five thousand dollars. <laughs> but that was I see you're watching that movie and I'm like I'm like and they're doing things like uh what several of the hacks he had like he had one hack where where uh I think he made it rain somewhere. I guess there there was a weather control satellite and I'm like and when that movie came out there was no well, we still don't have weather control satellite and there was no wild, worldwide way that he could use a computer to have it command all the old tankers to go to the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it, I mean, it was just so far-fetched, even now. I mean, it's just, it never happened now either, you know, but, and building that uh, computer they built in the, in the canyon, you know, the, well, if you want to call it a computer, I don't think it was, it had, might have had a computer on it, but you know, there, there was much more to it than a computer. But that's what we thought. The future was. Is that kind of crap? That was 1983. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I mean, in the first, uh, see, the first, no, it was the second one where they, uh, had depictions of the gas crisis in it. Where there was lines of people waiting for gas. I barely remember that. So that, See, the Atari 400 Mini, though, has an all-winter H3, 256 megabytes of RAM, and 128 megabyte of flash, and five USB-A ports, one USB-C port. That's the only power in, though, and HDMI. So, in many ways, if you built, like, a RetroPie, you can probably get more than this, uh, and it might run things a little bit better, have better interface and all that stuff. And the ability to have Wi-Fi on it, you know, there's that. But honestly, though, this is for, for people that love the Atari bits like myself that don't have the skills to build a Raspberry Pi that can run the emulators. Same reason for, with the the... I have an SNES Mini downstairs. Um, I can't think of the last time I played it. My son might play it every once in a while, fire it up and play some Mario or something. You can play Mario on I did your, buy your a, Switch. Port, the Portal Companion set for... Uh, the Nintendo Switch. It was uh, twenty bucks, so I can play Portal, Portal, and Portal Two on my Switch. I actually never played Portal One before, so that that was a uh, pretty fun. I think I'm most of the way through it. That's a fun game. 
Both of them are flying. It is. Yeah, they are. Yep, back when Thinking existed, I almost ordered the uh uh the portal gun they had. <laughs> that would have been cool. That would have been you cool just portal? Have sitting in there. Uh, I have beaten Portal 2 a long while ago, like maybe a PC or two ago, because I do have it for the PC. Via Steam, I think I got it. I'll tell you what, if you want a good game, dear Joel, the new Prince of Persia, the Lost Crown, <clears throat> chef's kiss on that game. It is so nice. Well, you just brought out a, a new uh, Zelda recently too, didn't they? Well, that was uh, you mean a while ago? Yeah, that the uh, Tears of the Kingdom. That was gr- that was a great game too. Yeah, I saw, I saw there, there's there's a thing going on. On I don't know if it's TikTok or one of them, where basically a lot of reason why people bought the game was was to torture the. Uh, Oh, what are those creatures? Koroks? Yes, the Koroks. Yeah. Like, they build a rocket with Koroks attached to yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> you do nasty stuff to the poor guys, but... It's a, real, it's a good game. It is what a good you, game. What are you playing it on, Dan? Oh, that's only available on the Switch. That's Switch. Mm, I, it's on the PlayStation 4 and 5, too. Not, so not is? Zelda... Oh, I think I talked to Prince of Persia that lost. Oh Christ. yeah, Prince oh, of Persia no, no. playing on the PlayStation. Okay, right. It's, it's, it's good. I, I, if I had a, a a better gaming rig, I might try it on on Steam, but I don't right. have a gaming rig, and I'm not sure. Like the stuff I played on Steam on this laptop has seemed to work pretty well, but it's been ma- mainly side scrollers that I've tried on there. I haven't tried anything. I almost. Heavier. I mean, I. I have to look and see, um, but I've been kind of watching clips here and there of of the latest the latest Fallout game, and I kind of want to get that and try that. I haven't played it yet. Wait, which one is that? Fallout. Fallout Four, I think. Fallout Four. Okay. Play it on the Switch. No, it's not on the Switch. Oh, I was gonna say I didn't think it was on the Switch. I tried it. I didn't. I I couldn't get into it. Couldn't get into it. <laughs> no. I I I I have a low tolerance for those for first person shooter type games these days. They just don't grab my attention. I know Dave's all into it, but not me. I I can't even remember the last time I played. It's probably been a year since I played a video game. I have a Minecraft server. I have a Velerin server, and I've got a bunch of games on Steam. You ever played Velerin? You see, what? No. What? Velerin, V-E-L-O-R-E-N. No, what is that? You can run a server on Linux, and and, and it's it's a Minecraft looking open RPG. Okay. It's it's pretty cool. No, oh, I, shoot, I, I might be able to run this on my laptop. Yeah, I, I don't know mine. Now, is Felerin, is. is Felerin, uh, is it in the repos? Ah, uh, 
Air Shipper is, which is the game launcher. So I, I think if you, I, I forget how to install it. I, I installed it on a headless server and I installed the launcher on my laptop and I can, I can play over my network. Uh, yeah, it's, it's in the, it's in the AUR. Air, Air Shipper's the, the program that launches it. Right. Well then how do you, does Airship pull it down? See, you know, I, I, I think, Dan, it's been probably a year and a half since I installed it, uh, now, is it is it like Minecraft where you have to build out everything, or when you use get it, does it autom- Is it all set up ready to play? It's, there's like it's, a campaign in there. Yeah, it's 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 an open RPG. Stuff's already built. Okay. Uh, do you like it? That does look yeah, like it's, Minecraft. It's, it's, Jesus, it's, it's pretty fun. How far are you in it? Oh, not not far. I, I, See, that's what when I installed it, I was still working. I didn't have time, and since I've been retired, I haven't had time either. That's why I like. I re- you know how stupid that sounds, Dave. I, since I I've know. been retired, you right. haven't had time. I know. I've been doing other stuff. Sorry, Joel. Go I've ahead. Not made time for games. Well, I think that's why. Like, I, I, I too, like the thing thing i don't like about first person shooters is a lot of times the the single player kind of sucks and everyone buys it to, to go into like the death matching and i suck at death matching i just i don't have time to get good enough to to play death matching so that's oh, why you i don't like, like games starting like up a and portal uh, i know you can yeah <laughs> every which should be all the time but <laughs> Um, that's why I like, like, Portal has a really solid, uh, single player mode, and I really, I really, I really like games that have a single player mode that's solid, cause, I, I, you know, I just, you know, I remember when I first started at Columbus State, when I was still a mainframe operator, there were some developers and database analysts that would, uh, hang back after, after hours, and they would use the, their, their desktops to play, uh, Doom, and it was kind of fun because it was still such a new thing back then. But the one guy, and, and the upside was, is, is not of all, all of us were extremely good. But there's one guy that DBA who was just really good at it, and he kicked my ass all the time. It's like, you know, that was still kind of fun because at least at least he he didn't always kick my ass. He kicked everybody's ass. <laughs> Uh, but you know, back back when deathmatching was new. Yeah, Quake <laughs> Quake Two. That was that was fun. I got a Unreal Tournament set up on uh, Steam, and that that's fun. That's still fun. And then the other problem I have, at least with PC gaming, is just uh, how much sheer power you need to uh, have a decent chance at some of those games. If anything, I would. If I wanted to do anything, I would probably build like a, a flight simulator, you know, with a PC, uh, a gaming system behind it, because that's what you're going to need to run uh, the latest flight sim. Have you ever played these uh, the Euro Trucker trucking sims? Have you ever played no. those? No. <laughs> that's it's much harder than you would think, but it, there's oh, something there's something calming about it, though. Yeah, I definitely imagined that. 
Where did you drive to, Dave? That's that's that's, uh, that's one. I'm... Germany, someplace. I don't. I can't remember where it was. It's, it's been a while Where'd since I played that. I was driving drive a, a giant transfer truck through Europe. Now I, I had to look and see if anybody's remastered it or redone it. But back in in the early PC gaming days, like when I was in college, uh, one guy uh, showed me a a, a game called Death Race. Remember that one? I there's a movie. Based, Two movies. Well, yeah, there is a yeah. movie. That were based on Death Race. Right. That, that this game sounds like it was based on, because there was the original one from what the 1970s, and then there was the Jason Statham one. Right. This was yeah. This is like you know you make basically cars with weapons on them. You know, I mean it's not that that difficult. Of a concept, it was fun though. No, I don't think anybody's fun game it. back in the day. And the Mech Warrior was no, Mech Warrior was a great game too. Uh, uh, both the original Mech Warrior and Mech Warrior uh, Two. Mech Warrior Two was was really awesome. It was what uh, that was nineties, I think. That might have been the last game I played on on a Windows PC. Right, I think I, I, that that's early '90s, so I can't remember. But it also had a really great single player mode, as well as being able to deathmatch people in mechs, and that was also fun. It, I think there's still some, like some Dave and Buster's, still have the uh, the old uh, Tesla pods they used to do the full simulators that they would do with the with the battle mechs. Yeah, I always wanted to play that. Uh, unfortunately, our the Dave and Buster's. Both of the ones we have don't have that game. But playing that one where you sat down in it and you were like driving the mech around and yeah. shoot the rockets and like guide the rockets while they're going through the air. Mm. That was a fun game. Yep. And there is there is a, a multiplayer one now. Never played it yet. I do I think I do have it on my laptop, my Windows laptop. But I don't know whatever happened to the board game if they're still making that because uh, it's Phaser was the company that originally did the uh, dice and hex map board game with it, and then they got bought. I wanted to say I thought it got bought by um, Wizards of the Coast, I think. Oh heck, Fallout Four is only uh, so. twenty bucks right now. I might have to. I might have to look and see if there's any updates to it. Last when I left BattleTech was um, you know towards tail end of college. It was getting into the clans and the uh, stuff like that. I still got the original kit that I bought. I never could find anyone that would uh, play BattleTech often enough. I, I enjoy um, BattleTech more than I did uh, Mech Warrior. So in the arcades, uh, I really enjoyed uh, Hydro Thunder. That one, that one was always cool. Yeah, and Mach the, Three, the sit-down one that they had there. 
You ever played Legend of the Grimlock, Joel? No. It's a 2012 game. It's it's on Steam, but it is a, you also play it on the Switch. That's a fun game. Oh, the Battle BattleTech board game is owned by the Tops Company. As in the Tops that does the baseball cards. Interesting. Legend of Grimrock's a dungeon crawler, right? I did yeah. try it. Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed that. Uh, I think the first version might have been playable on Linux. I, I, I remember. I can't remember. <laughs> I thought I could remember. But I can't remember if I played it on Steam or if that was actually played it on Linux. But. Grimrock or Grimlock? Grimrock. Okay. And, you could you could play it on Ubuntu. Okay, but Grim, Legend of Grimlock Two, you couldn't, which was a a, a much imp- is an improvement over the first one. But that that's not playable on Linux, I don't think. Legend of Grimrock. Let me double check. Let me see. Legend of Grimrock Two. And it's it's games like this is make what makes me want to get one of them. One of them, uh, like the. Um, Lenovo uh, handheld gaming system, or um, the Legion Go—that's the one—or um, the Aces Republic of Gamers Ally. Kind of want one of those. Yeah, the first one is in the AUR, Dan. Legend of Grimrock. So, Legend of Grimrock Two is rated gold on oh, it's an AUR. It's a good game. Wow. Legend of Grimlock. Oh, there you are. Yeah, the first one is. Wait, what's that fuzzy search tool? Uh, Peruse, P-A-R-U-Z. That's right. That was originally a Windows XP game. It's It's a fun game. Ah. I could not install it. Unknown download protocol. Oh, it requires GOG Downloader, which did not get installed. Oh, you got it on good old games. Yeah. Package failed to build. Evidently, the package isn't built right, I'm assuming. Let me go into... I haven't looked at Humble Bundle in a while. See, what I like about the Humble Bundle is they started doing other things other than games, like books. There is a package called L. Uh, L is a library. L, Google, L-G-O-G downloader in the AUR, but it didn't get installed, so... There is a on Hundle Bundle. There is a software bundle called Linux for Everyone. It looks like mostly books and videos. Linux for the rest of us, right? Wonder how Thor's doing these days. 
I haven't heard a podcast of his in in a year or more. I know he hates was doing Linux. He had he had some health issues that I know. Now he did the mini PC show with Rich. The last released Android app addicts was on October seventeenth, twenty twenty three. Links for the rest of us two fifty nine was January over a year ago now. Yeah. I think he's been doing his No he was doing his blog no, um podcast about him. Where's life in Ohio? Long gone now. Yeah. Or what? What is what? What? What is it? Living in the shade of an eighties arcade, man. Arcade. Yeah, th- that show, which would be great if it wasn't only on AAC format. I renamed it to Living in the Retro Arcade. Oh, now I can, see. Now I could talk about things other than eighties. Oh. <laughs> I started. I, I'm going to be honest. Putting it in the 80s with video games really pigeonholed it. Because <laughs> there wasn't, you know, let's face it, once you get get through a lot of, the, like, the a lot of the stuff, you know, I mean, that's not to say I don't cover 80s anymore. I do, but, like, my, this week's show is going to be all, all on the Portal series. Because it, it deserves it. Because it's such a great game. And the thing, the thing I like about Portal, both Portal games, is that is very non-violent, you know, for the most part. But you've not finished the first one yet. The first one, no. Ah, the first no. one's got a great ending. Yeah. I've probably seen the ending on YouTube. Yeah, you probably have. <laughs> Remember when that came out, it was the high time for, uh... What was his name? With the Half-Life sequel. Oh. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan Colton. Yeah, was it Colton? I, no. I wanted to say Colton, but I wasn't sure his yeah. name. And he wrote the, uh, the yeah. song. Yeah, he did yeah. the Cake is a Lie. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder what ever happened to him. Last time I saw him, he was on uh, an episode of Rift Tracks with uh, the Mystery Science Theater guys. What's he doing these days? He's doing a show in Philly and Pittsburgh. Okay. I guess that was last year. Yeah. That's the last thing I see. That was, uh, that show was October, November, and December, so. Go ahead, Joel. Sorry. Well, I want to know is if they're gonna make if they're gonna make a, a 
sequel to the Ready Player One movie. No. The book was definitely better. The second book was better than the first one? No. No. Um, no, what I'm saying is... is the book Ready was Player better than One, the movie. The yes. book was definitely yes. better. Way better. Yes. Definitely. Yes. But the movie was still enjoyable. Yes. So, uh, but I have read both both books, though. So, I've read the Ready first Player book. Two was good. Little, little, little too MacGuffin. Well, the thing is, is the to bring out a sequel movie is going to be quite a bit different than the uh, than the uh, book turnout. Because I don't think it, the way the book Ready Player Two book worked out. I don't think it would play out Moving. as well because they had they changed the ending in, in of the movie sufficient enough. Like like a I don't I have to go back and read the book it, again. That that part that you're talking about is entirely plausible. You know him screwing up the relationship, whatever, whatever. Like right oh, after yeah, it started, yeah, yeah. that that's perfectly plausible. But it was right. the MacGuffin there. Oh, everybody gets saved and upload. Yeah, that 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 MacGuffin. Right. Yeah, it, it was just a bit too much right at the end. Well, not to mention the fact in the the movie, a sequel to the movie will have to be quite a bit different than Red, the Ready Tier Player Two book. Because I don't remember in the book whether they closed the uh, the uh, oasis down for for some days, like they mentioned at the end of the movie. There, out of the week, they did that in the books. Did they? I don't. I okay. Maybe I was at wrong. the end of the first book, but um, I don't think it gets mentioned because they also did a kind of a "you're stuck in here" type of thing. So, Which is essentially Ready Player Two. Well, yeah, I meant for Ready Player Two, they did that. But with Ready Player One, they did mention at the end in the prologue, you know, when they were mentioning how how great everything was, they they did want people to enjoy the real world. So like Tuesdays, it was shut down or something like that, um, and they prefaced it with the line that you know. Um, I'm not a big fan of the real world, but it's the only place you can get a decent meal. Right. But like, like, like I said, the, even though the book Ready Player One was better than the movie, I still enjoyed the hell out of the movie. Various, and it had a lot of different explanations for things. But um, you kind of understood that it couldn't go as into depth uh, with the um, the tasks and things like that in a movie right. that was an hour and a half to two hours. Right. Well, not to mention the fact, like the lich in the in the book, you know, playing joust that really wouldn't play out too well on the screen <laughs> in a movie. Ten minutes of playing a video game, blah, etc. Right. The only the only part of the movie in the book that were very very similar was that was the last egg. That scene was pretty close. 
but I really, really do enjoy the first book, and and the second book was okay. Yep. First book, but it was still good. Maybe I just had really high expectations because of the already first book. Pl- already player two, yeah. Yeah. What was the premise of the second book? One thing I was trying to find. Remember the avatar of um, the guy that had all the money Anorak. that died, Anorak, yeah. that set all this stuff into motion? Well, that avatar was supposed to delete itself, but right. didn't. Like, a glitch well, right. happened, and it didn't delete itself, and then it basically, you know was an AI and tried to take over the Oasis. And in order to do that, he set off like an unfinished um, um, test, kind of similar yeah, like to a, the like original quest in the Oasis, but um, one that was never really supposed to happen. And at the same time, the code and the hardware specs for a different way of using the Oasis. Right. Which allowed, like, full immersion. Right. And the premise Yeah, you didn't have to wear a suit. It was just basically a brain interface. Is that the AI is going to take everything over unless this uh, new quest gets completed, and so people have to find all the clues again and go through something similar and there's different different tests and different other crazy things like fighting 15 Michael Jackson's blah whatever whatever and um, yeah and I don't want to spoil the ending fighting 15 Michael Jackson's like what was it what was he fighting with white glove <laughs> the white glove <laughs> <laughs> But I would say in Ready Player Two, there 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 was a part of it was on the uh, uh, what was it was it the Prince Planet was a purple rain planet I can't remember Michael Jackson it was princes they were fighting like fifteen different versions of Prince <laughs> yeah what was Prince using as a weapon his guitar yep all right. Basically, yeah. Was it like a rock band competition? Yeah, get the fans spinning on the three. Uh, Something like that. It, it was a dance battle gone wrong. Oh. Yeah. I bet you Dave likes Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> nope. <laughs> dance Revolution is great cardio. I've never played it. Look, I was in South Korea when I got introduced to, to Dance Dance Revolution, and it was a big thing there at the time. I bet it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it and, and it, it was fun, and it was just a really good way to get a workout. Uh-huh. <laughs> I get secondhand embarrassment. I mean, I've never been in a Dave and Buster's. This, this is going to sound weird, but if I were to go in a place like that, I mean, I've not been in an arcade since I was a teenager. But I think going in an arcade, I'm going to step on some toes. But going into an arcade and seeing adults play video games, like last time, no. not last time, but I was in Best Buy back in the mid 2000s, and I saw some some grown ups, you know, grown grown adults playing Guitar Hero. 
in public. Yep. And I, I got secondhand embarrassment for them. I, I play Look, that stuff at home, but I'm not going to do it in public. No, there, there, there's there's a bar, and I know there's one around here, but the only one I can think of is in El Paso, and it's called uh, Rubik's. And, and and it's an adult bar, but you go in there, and the entire walls are lined with arcades, and the arcades don't cost anything. You're just buying right. drinks and playing on the, the different arcades. Yeah, and uh, that's probably... Like, like I said, I've not been in an arcade since I was a teenager, so I, I would probably be fine with this. In, in context, if there's a whole wall of them, I'd probably go up and play. Yeah, but like Dave and Buster's, man, uh, I can't even afford to play there. The food's ridiculous. The food's, the, the, just the arcade stuff is ridiculous. The price on the arcade stuff is absolutely bonkers. Well, we have the 16-bit bar plus arcade here in Columbus on South 4th Street. I don't think I have an arcade near me. I'm trying to see if they, if they uh, list what games they got. No, I think there's got. one in Virginia Beach. That's not, there's one in Norfolk. What a barcade? Um, I, I found I found some some of the classics they have at, at the Columbus one is uh, Arachnoid, Asteroids. Uh, I can't read this other one. It's got Japanese on it. Uh, Burger Time, Centipede, Defender. You got Tempest on there. Uh, probably. Uh, Dig Dug, Donkey Kong Jr., Frogger, Galaga, Gauntlet. Gauntlet was a great game. I played that a lot in oh, yeah. college. I did too. Ghouls and Ghosts, uh, Gyrus, Jungle King, New, wait. There's a whole new breed? Oh, what? I, oh, Killer Instinct. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom. Millipede, Mortal Kombat 3, Ms. Pac-Man, NBA Jam, NFL Blitz, Ninja Gaiden, uh, Street Fighter, Ivan Stewart, Ivan Stewart's Off-Road, Pac-Man, I can't read what's on this one because it's too tiny. Oh, kind of awesome. Yeah, I, I love those games. Pr- Primal Rage. Punch Out, Qbert, Rally X, Robotron 2084, another one I played a lot in college, Smash TV. Smash TV, if you've never played that, it's a lot like, uh, they combined some concepts out of the Running Man and, um, and it was Robocop. like It was like so, Berserk, it was the next level of Berserk. It was a game show. And yeah, yeah kind of. It, it yeah. was like Berserk as a game show, top down shooter where everybody came at you from all directions. Yep. And there were, and the Robocop one comes in there where the announcer comes in there and says, I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> and then it, so <laughs> it was followed up by Total Carnage. About a year right. later, I think it was. So Smash TV was followed up by Total Carnage, which took it outside yep. of the um, movie studio 
format and put it into yep. a... But they also have... Like, a, you were going through a third world country... Console to, game, right? ...to knock out a dictator. Uh, on, I, I believe okay. that's what it was. It was off the wall. Space too. Invaders. Right. They have Deluxe Space Invaders. Spy Hunter, which is another favorite of mine. Oh, I love Spy Hunter. Tapper. Uh... The one that always you'd always get an injury in at least once in your life playing the game track and field. Oh yeah! <laughs> Damn, yes. I hurt my fingers on that so many yeah. times. Yeah, the hurdles. <laughs> He's just doing that. Yes, yes, because well, you you'd hurt it by slapping their fingers right on oh, the yeah. buttons because you had to yeah. do that to play it. It was yep. like that. That would. <laughs> I did not the like the track and field with the buttons. Playing. Say that again, Dan. I said I did not like the track right, right. and field with well, the buttons. buttons. I like the one with the trackball. Yeah, they, they were. They, they switched were to what the trackball. Yeah. You could get injured on it too, though. Yeah, you, you, no, you yeah, you could, yeah. <laughs> easy. <laughs> Trophy maybe, hunting. It'd be easier. Trophy hunting, Turbo Outrun, another great multiplayer. Uh, Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. Um, WrestleMania, X Men. That was another great multiplayer. That was a, one of those super wide ones. Oh, that was fun. Gauntlet Judge was still my favorite multiplayer. When I was oh, in college, yeah, they, they yeah, had yeah, yeah. they had the table. So you could four people standing around the same table mm-hmm. and play Gauntlet top down. That was that was awesome. Yep, I junkyard. I don't know. I've never seen this one. It's got a bulldog on it. And then, then they have two pinball machines. They got a Star Trek The Next Generation pinball machine and a Star Wars pinball machine. I played the heck out of one called 8-Ball Deluxe when I was at Clemson. Well, what about Pinbot? Remember that one? I don't know about that one. That was a good pinball machine. Pinbot, um... I want to say there was one that was based on Atari, and I can't remember what it was. Maybe I'm thinking about something else. I know there was a Rocky pinball at one point for the movie. There, there's a, a pinball That's for just about they, everything. Just the ones they list on their site. Oh, I yeah. Can, I can remember my dad telling me in the early 80s when I was going to arcades uh, to stay away from the pinball because back when he was – age back in the 60s that you could you could win money on pinball so in his mind it was gambling yeah murph said he got blisters on his fingers with the track and ball with uh, track <laughs> yep. and field with the track ball yep the button one was the worst though man yeah. that that was <laughs> that was the uh, back in the 80s that was the closest thing we had to ddr because I mean, you, you could you could get in some funny positions working that trackball. Oh yeah! Did. Well, he's like you're, you're too, ripping man. it with your fingers, like yeah. rip, 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 rip. then you had to push the button to jump. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you uh, weren't standing straight up. You you were leaning over all the way to the left, just going as fast as you can. Yeah. And the thing is, it, it didn't take long. It could happen in the first round. It's like. <laughs> You get your finger pinched between the rim of the of the, oh, yeah. the console and the trackball. Yeah. Oh. I put a lot of quarters in that game as a teenager. 
It was still a fun game, though, even though you can get hurt. Maybe that's why it was fun. I don't remember. <laughs> See, yeah, the, one of my one of my favorite games to date is still today. This day is Alien Syndrome. I love that arcade game. I played the hell Alien out of that. Alien Syndrome. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was a top down shooter where you. It was kind of loosely based off of Alien on the first level, I think it was. Okay. And, and so, you you would you would go to these individual like planets, and you had to rescue the guys on there, make it to the end of the level before the time ran out, fight the boss, and then you launch off to the next planet. And then there were like I think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven areas to go, seven planets to go to, and then you beat the game. All right. It was out on See, Nintendo, I, and I played on various simulators. That one I don't, re- I don't remember that one, uh, but that did remind me of Xenophobe. Yeah. And Zybots. Was Z- Xenophobe the one that was split screen? You had an, a, a was, screen yeah, on the top, screen on the... Yeah. Yeah. There, well, there was four, it was four player, and it was side-scrolling. Um... And then Zybots was one with the uh, that was well, basically as close as you can get to a, a first-person shooter back at that point in time. But it was it was kind of done like uh, it was kind of done looked a little bit like Wolfenstein inside of it, but you can only face one direction at a time, and you you couldn't face between them, so it was left, right, or or uh, front or back. So, but Xenophobe was very cartoonish. And then there was uh, Rampage. That one I loved. I played a lot of Rampage. I felt like Rampage just ate your quarters like crazy. Didn't Wasn't that one of those games where oh, your health kept going down? Yep. And then, and then you started to metamorphize back to... Uh, uh, a man or a woman, depending on which creature you are. Yeah. And then you can put Still a quarter in and regenerate. Cool. I mean, it, and what they, and they made a movie about it, but it really had little yeah. to do with the, with the, with the video game. They had the rock in it too, if I remember right. Yeah. I remember liking pole position a lot. Yep. One and two were, were really good. We got wrapped this up. And that's another thing. That's another thing. Where ahead, they made man. a cartoon. They had a, made a pole position cartoon, but it had little to do with the video game. Yeah, yeah it's still cool. Right, yeah, we got to get going, cartoon. Joel. We got to get to bed. Yes, we do. All right. So thank you, everybody, for another episode. You too, Murph. You too. Uh, is yeah. We still wait. Yeah, the next show is still in January, right? Just 31 days in January, right? Yes. Yep. Damn. All right. Well, we'll see you in one week for the last show of January. Have a happy, everybody. Hear your promos. I am short. Oh, my God. It's Hacker Public Radio. Hacker Public Radio is a daily podcast by the hacker community for the hacker community. If you're interested in technology, creative thinking, hacking, Linux, or any kind of computer, that kind of stuff, you should listen to Hacker Public Radio at HackerPublicRadio.com. We forgot.
Hello, my name is Matt, and I've started a new podcast called LibreQuest. I talk about Linux and general technical topics. To get the show, visit LibreQuest.org. So we can paint anything we want? Anything at all. How about if I paint your fine ass? Mm, yeah, with my tongue brush. Shut up. Just shut up. Daddy has a gun! It's over. You were making egg poo young in the kitchen. I was in the dining room having sushi. We forgot what? We forgot to mention HBR. Oh, yeah. We played the promo. We forgot to mention the email we got. About whether to continue it or not. Yeah, so right. if you like HPR, contribute some shows so they can keep going on. Yep, right now. You're putting together what, a show? Was it February? February what? I'm not yet. I should do a show. I can't think of what I do when on. Well, I'm in the shade of, an, of a '90s arcade. <laughs> Occasionally. Dave's got all his shows lined up now, right, Dave? <laughs> on HPR. <laughs> no. Well, you see, I, let's see. The, the contributors that we've seen the next two months is Kevin, Kevin, uh, what's his face? Ahuka, uh, Delta Ray, Daniel Person, and Trey, Swift 110, Geospark Kevy, and that's it. Looks like maybe four or five, like, four or five people. Rotating through. Dave, you could do a you could do a series. The first one could be three D printing your own suppositories. <laughs> how to flavor that suppository on another episode? Uh, I'll walk right into there. How to en- enhance your friendships by creating a double ended suppository <laughs> that you can insert. <laughs> Snake. <laughs> oh my! Ain't nothing in suppositories. Two hackers, one Wait suppository. <laughs> oh my goodness! Now it's better than uh, a lemon party. Nothing's better than a lemon party. A lemon suppository party. <laughs> Let's see, does that still exist? Lemon party? I'm sure it does. <laughs> I'm looking for Le- <laughs> Lemon party life is a podcast. There's a lemon oh party podcast? <laughs> yes, there is. Uh, how many episodes are there? There certainly is. That's a good question. 1,036. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I'm wow. To that. Sounds familiar. 
granted, we're getting old enough that we're going to be a lemon party before it's longer. I don't know what you plan on doing in <laughs> your retirement. But... <laughs> it's better than goat sex. Hey, when when did uh when did this show start, Dan? Because in four more episodes, you do the math, it's that's twenty years worth. Uh, what is show number? Two thousand three, didn't it? it? I think ten forty will be. 52 times 20. See, episode 110 was uh, November 16th of 2005. It's as far back as the feeds go. Boy, it's because, uh, uh, Let me double check. I think I have episode one on Internet Archive. And that was the shortest Mm -hmm. show there ever was. All right, let me see here. Uh, oh, God, why is these things not? Hey, you don't got to look it up tonight. Holy. No, I'm right there. Okay, episode number one. Wow. September 24th, 2003. I somehow gotten 20 years worth in in less than 20 years. Yeah, what? What? Oh, you know, you know why that is. That is because um, when we went to uh, yeah, a yeah. couple of the Linux conventions, yeah, we put out multiple shows. So I think there's like, and you took game, and you took a a few weeks off too. I don't know. There's th- There, yeah, there have been a couple of times we've taken off, and then there was a couple of, like, we did a number of, oh, man. I know when we went to the Linux, Linux Expo, I guess it was the one in Jacob Javits where we interviewed Nat Friedman, and Miguel Diacaza, I think, was there, too. Uh, I think we released a bunch of different... Yeah, we released a bunch of January um, shows. 9th. When we would go to um or hold on, September 24th. Yeah, when we would go to like Ohio Linux Fest right. or whatever, yeah. we would release a show a day from there. Yeah, yeah, you did. I think the first episode was September I miss those days. September 24th of 2003. Wow. According to the Internet Archive. Yeah, that's what I just said, September 24th. It's got that... It, and it's got that music that Link, the Link got. Yep. The Link should be out of the hospital now, though. That's good. Yeah, he... I didn't hear back from him. I did send him an email. You, I don't expect him to... Did you? Get, okay. Yeah, I don't expect him to get right back to me, because he's got, he's got a lot going on. He got, he got to go home in a wheel. 
he's gonna go home in a wheelchair, I think, until until the till the the effects of what he went through subsides. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. He's, I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if you know, knew Dave or not, but he's he's. Yeah. Go ahead. Does Taco Wednesday mean you ate Taco Bell? No, I made them. Oh, that's good. What, what kind of tacos? Yeah, normal. I mean, well, you know, like, hard shell, soft shell. Straight. I had, I had. Well, we had both shells. I had soft shell, so that's why I like. Okay. Wifey had crunchy. What'd your son have? One of each? Two of each? Three of each? Hell, I don't know. All I know is I made the meat, cut up a tomato and onion, and that's about it. We had lettuce, but lettuce was pre-shredded. There's something wrong with that, pre-shredded lettuce. No. Lettuce is lettuce. Had kale for lunch, though. (laughs) Pre-shredded kale? (laughs) It was baby kale, so leaves, you know. With some chicken and uh, apple cider dressing. Like an apple cider vinaigrette is what it was. And um, some some uh, like nuts. A whole mess of kale, though, because I can eat as much kale as I want. <laughs> Hardly any calories in that. <laughs> I'll admit it's not the most tastiest of greens there is. Would you eat it with? It was with my I, mouth. Oh, chicken. with your mouth. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, chicken, and actually, technically, the dressing was Chick Fil A's apple cider vinaigrette. Oh, the bottom they they sell that at uh, our local Kroger in uh, the produce in the produce section, and I measured it out too. I like. Didn't just dump it on. I like took a measuring spoon and measured it out. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, I love salad, and I love right. salad with a salad dressing. I've been making my own salad dressings these days, like Thousand Island Parmesan peppercorn ranch, Italian Greek, you name it. I've been making it. Catalina French. Oh, I love it. Love, I can't get enough salad, I'll tell you that. It's just like... On uh, pancake syrup. No, I haven't made I my can't. own pancake syrup yet. My well, you first, gotta get a maple tree. My first job out of college, I was a uh, quality control manager at the Duke's Mayonnaise plant. We also oh, made, yeah! That's we, the mayonnaise I used, Dave. We also got made, uh, at the time, we, we made all the Hidden Valley Ranch uh it was ever made. Nice. It was the only manufacturer. And we made probably... Flavors of suppositories. <laughs> uh-huh. we, we made just about every salad dressing you could think of. Duke's is the best mayonnaise. I, that's all I buy. That's all there is. Everything now, else is lame. Did you get sick of salad dressing? I know. I mean, I... I you don't I, even like salad, right? No, I, I like salad, but I, I like Italian dressing. Not vinaigrette. I like straight Italian, or I like uh, if I have to ranch. The creamy? Uh, no, the other one. 
the one you have to shake. Yeah, regular it. Italian, which is yeah. essentially a vinaigrette. Yeah, I just don't want it to taste like vinegar. Heavy you on can't, the spice. You so can't just, taste it in, in the Italian dressing. You really can't. There is vinegar. Yeah, you just can't, you can't taste it as yeah, much. Yeah, I don't want to taste it. It's got some of that cheese. Toe cheese. Mm. No, Parmesan. <laughs> oh. Wow. I think All that's right. what's in it. I don't know. Oh, it tastes Tim good. Dave. I agree with it. What episode is this, Dave? Uh, 1036. You got it, man. You Ooh. on the ball, man. <laughs> what did we do before you came back? <laughs> That's all I'm doing. Nobody knew it. what show was. Good old Rich is at the uh, SHOT show this week. He had a shot this week? Getting vaccinated? No, <laughs> SHOT show. It's a gun show. No. For mostly Not a shit for... show, right? Well, <laughs> could be. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind going because uh, it's it's not just it's not just firearms. Like you can get things like um, knives there too. Uh, one of my favorite YouTubers. Um, is it really called a shot show? Because we call them yeah. gun shows down here. Shot show. No, this is a bigger. This is more like um, the companies who are gonna get. Gun shops to buy guns are gonna go there. All right, so it's more like a, like a. Dave, they're not selling the guns; they're just shooting them. And when you shoot them, you capture the shot, and that's what the show is. The is it a shop show or a shot? S H O T or S H O P? S H O T. Okay, yeah. So they they shoot the gun, and you got to catch it. That's the show. That's the only way that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm, it's done by the NSSF, which is uh, basically the firearm industry. It's a trade show is what it is. Dave, being a southern boy, and I guess Joe too, I guess. Have you ever heard this 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 phrase before? Couldn't draw a fly, fly in a shit factory? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, I yeah. thought that's southern, isn't it? Yeah. Could, uh, couldn't draw a fly in a shit factory. Yeah. I heard that for the first time this week, and I thought it was funny. Have you ever heard that makes my ass crave stove wood? <laughs> what? Hell no. <laughs> what what that, Stove? Stove. Oh, stove S-T- wood. Yeah, stove wood. That makes that, your ass crave What does that mean? That, that's a southern way of saying it makes me want to show out, because if you showed out, your, your dad would take you behind the woodshed and whoop your ass. So, what? Okay, oh. you got to explain what showed out means. Yeah, showed out means misbehave. Oh, okay. So it makes you, you know, it, it's it's sort of like saying we aim to misbehave. Now, what's that? What's that phrase again? To go through a couple of different layers of uh, <laughs> explaining slang to, to yeah. get to the point there. Yeah, it's uh, it, that makes my ass crave stovewood. That makes my ass crave stovewood. Yeah, my father-in-law used to say that. I thought you were talking. I thought you were talking about some guy named Stove who got a heart on him. I don't know, man. Well, my dad got one. He, he, he says, "Smooth move, X Lex." Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, no, I haven't heard that one. I just never heard, but that makes my ass crave stove wood. <laughs> Next time somebody makes you mad, just, just throw that out there when you're at work or something. Oh, yeah, that, that goes over well. In, in, <laughs> but I'll do that at my, I'll do that at the, uh, that's gonna, that's gonna do me real well at, uh, at the place I work. Yeah, the next stand up right. meeting they have when someone were discussing a ticket and I don't like it, I'm gonna say, yeah. that makes my ass crave stove wood. That's just funny hearing a Yankee say it. <laughs> that grinds my gears, right? And then, then Dave, you can help me find a new job after that, right? <laughs> <sighs> Or you can you can be my backup when I explain what I meant to uh, HR. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we better yeah, get you, this show going. Go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just call me if you need me. <laughs> oh, thanks. You know what? You're you're retired, so you're you're there at my back and call. Yeah, there you go. Bail me out of out of uh, HR. Yeah. 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 You know what burns my ass? About a flame three foot high. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like something my dad would say. Rod, look at my daughter and say, you know what burns my ass? A flame five foot five inches. And that's how tall she is. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I thought you were going to say a bottle of hot sauce, but, you know, hey. That, uh, that does that, too. You know... I have to be honest, though. Uh, most of the time, hot sauce doesn't burn my ass. But what does yeah, burn my ass? I'm pretty good with it too. What does burn have a tendency to burn my ass is really hot Thai food or really yeah. hot Indian food the next day, and yeah. I don't know why. Like everything else, I'm fine. Like I super hot buffalo wings, not a problem. But Thai or Indian food, and it must got, be a combination of the garam masala and. And uh, everything else, all the other chilies and peppers, it's in coconut it. Oh. milk, and uh... yeah. Right. Anyway, let's uh, let's get this one thousand thirty six. One thousand thirty six. All right. Crack them knuckles and let's fire this puppy off. <laughs> 